0: Welcome to Ag Matters, covering the positive agriculture stories from across Alaska. Welcome, friends. This is your host, Cody Buse, for Ag Matters Radio. Today, we've got Janet Dinwiddie, Pyra's pioneer. Peak Farm. Did I say that correctly?
1: That is correct. Yeah. Nice I didn't,
0: job. I didn't want to add something in there. I was like, a lot of peas going on, but.
1: No, it's good. You're
0: good. <laughs> well, welcome to the program. Your dad called me just before break. It sounds like he's making a special, or not necessarily, he's making, uh, was it his sister making a quilt? Oh, and he needed probably. an FFA emblem, so we were able to oblige him with that and oh, get him that for his his quilt. yeah, it sounds like he's making. sounds like it's kind of a lifetime achievement quilt. It's got a lot of different things on there.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Some of the different things that he's accomplished, they have patches for you know forestry or other, the other things FFA things that he has done throughout his life, so it's mm-hmm. pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so that was always fun. And I know you're you're a former F- Palmer FFA alumnus, correct?
1: Uh, well, I'm former Palmer, but I actually was never in FFA, believe it or not.
0: <laughs> he didn't, Mr. Burbrook didn't rope you in it. No, uh, no, I had he some sequins, sure. but yes. I
1: was not able to do that. <laughs>
0: Well, great. Enough about FFA. We can move on from that. <laughs> but what? Gosh, what? Where do you even begin? I do kind of want, if you're if you're okay with it, diving into the history of the farm. I always like to you know learn about multi generational places.
1: Absolutely. So the farm actually has a really interesting history. We are out at the Butte, for those of you who don't know, and it was actually one of the original homesteads from the colony project where they brought up people from the Depression era in the 1930s to try and give them a new start. And so the farm... Originally was one of those homesteads. Now, we are not original colonists, which I'm not that hardcore, so it's probably a good (laughs) thing that I wasn't. But my family did come there in the 70s, late 70s, 1979. And what was happening at that time is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints had purchased the property because they were hoping to have a welfare farm there, but to also have their cannery and their storehouse for their welfare families there. At the time, they approached my father as members of that church, to be the manager over the farm. I mean, he he had experience in it, but it's not a paying gig. It's a volunteer position or calling for our church. Mm -hmm. So at the time he uprooted our family. We were living in Anchorage at the time, and then we moved to the Valley. We moved there and he would teach at the university. He was a professor at the University of Culinary Arts and Nutrition and Dietetics. And then he would help them farm in the summer. And so in the 80s, they decided at that point, the church decided at that point, to discontinue the welfare farm system in Alaska, but they didn't want to get rid of the property as they were still running the cannery and the storehouse on the property. So they gave my family the option to lease. And so ever since then, we had leased it and ran it as our own UPIC operation for our family business. And then recently, in the last couple of years, the church decided to sell the whole thing. So now we run the whole thing. It's all under our family.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't know that about about your dad because that is not, farming is not just a, a side gig. So he was probably <laughs> not very really. busy. He was you very guys busy. were all very busy. <laughs> we were.
1: We were. You know, growing up, there are a lot of kids or a lot of family members who have it in their blood and they're like, I'm farmer through and through. This is what mm-hmm. I'm going to do for generations. And then you get the other side of the coin where the kids are like, I can't wait to leave or this no. is hard. I kind of probably fell somewhere in between. I, I appreciated it not as much as I do now once you leave I think you really appreciate growing up like that but it was not anything that I ever thought I'm going to return and be the farmer of this farm mm-hmm. it was like that's fabulous for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so but as I left and got married and came back it was it was definitely something that calls you back and something like we wanted to do
0: yeah, and I've seen that maybe in my own family where my dad just kind of wanted to distance a, distance himself from farming, and that's probably why we ended up in Alaska is because he became an air traffic controller. You know, it was just yeah. something that not that he didn't enjoy it, but um, it is nice to have a steady income and something else that he wanted to do. So <laughs> yes, he, yes. he he chose a, a different route there. Well, I do wanted to add a, a very quick personal story as I remember I had an aunt one time who had. Who told me? She said, "Hey, go to the the bishop's storehouse mm-hmm. out there in the butte and go grab some whatever she ordered." Well, it was a, it was an assignment to can, which is which I think is oh, yeah. normal yeah. anyway. So I ended up spending a, I don't know how many a couple hours just <laughs> <Yeah>. volunteering under <laughs> volunteering. the name of my aunt to get right. this thing for like on my Saturday off. So I was like cussing her name about yeah. that. But...
1: <laughs> it's a good experience. I'm sure it taught
0: you. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep builds character and it's, it, right. it is such a beautiful spot it just... I mean the combination of the terrific soil and then you've got a, a beautiful spot and then you guys have really been in my mind pioneering agritourism I mean it's always been you know I think of the reindeer farm too and things like that but really I mean when it comes to, to the the festivals the different events you've had and the innovation that you guys have done gosh leading the way on that really
1: Yeah. So uh, farming in Alaska is a gamble. I mean, it's it's a gamble anywhere. Here it's crazy, but we do it anyway. (laughs) But, you know, you do what you can to make ends meet. But at the same time, we feel like we really have kind of this calling or our mission is to bring the community together. The sustainability in Alaska is imperative. We have such a fragile system that I don't think we realize just how fragile it is till something happens where a shipment didn't come in or something mm-hmm. like, for example, my husband yesterday was looking for milk and apparently the shipment didn't come in anywhere in Alaska and he couldn't find milk anywhere. And we don't really think about that, but it's a real thing up here. And we as farmers take our job very serious to provide for the community. And, and we've really taken to heart the call to try and teach people that, to educate them, to help them provide for themselves, but also that we provide for them as well but in that sense of community, to also give people a place to come and enjoy time with their family, to get out, to do the agritourism, to make a day of it where they can just come and do a wholesome thing together. And so I think that that's the roots of it. But we have also found that it becomes its own monster. I I started the festivals back when I was in college. I would come home in the summers and being in the States, they had all sorts of fall festivals and all sorts of things like that. And I was like, oh, we need that. We need to do that up there. And my parents were like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so one day I literally went in the house, printed off a flyer, and went on put it put it on the you-pick people's windows, like the cars over there. My parents were like, what are you doing? I'm like, now we have to. And so it just kind of became its own monster. The first year we had, I don't know, 200 people, and then it just grew exponentially from there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a great thing, but we kind of have this weird balance between Being able to provide for enough people and not have too many people there at once, Mm -hmm.
0: because
1: it can get frustrating people to wait in a line or to, you know, feel like they're not getting what they want to out of the experience. And so it's hard to help people understand and have the patience as we grow with that. But it's fun. It's fun to do ag-themed stuff. And most of it's really pretty cheesy (laughs) when you think about it. But it's a lot of fun. And and that idea that that we would have ag-themed stuff to bring people out to the farm and help them to learn about farming, so...
0: Yeah. Folks, if you're just joining us, this is your host, Cody Beast with Ag Matters Radio. We've got Janet Dinwiddie of Pyra's Pioneer Peak Farm and talking about, well, specifically, we're talking about all the events that they, they, they've they held and kind of the genesis or the how that started. I know that for us, we've enjoyed multiple events. What is coming up this next year?
1: So this next year, we have got the same ones that we've had probably for the last year or two. Some of them extended past there, but we will have a summer festival and that will be in July. Our fall festival, we grew to three weekends last year or Mm -hmm. three Saturdays last year. And my husband, bless his heart, who (laughs) has always been (laughs) been the outside outlier on the festival. He's like, I'll support you in doing it. But (laughs) he's the one that suggested, why don't we do a fourth just because of the sheer number of people. Mm-hmm. And then we'll also have the special needs day for that festival mm. um, that we have on the side. We also have a couple other things as far as last year we brought in a, an, a Halloween haunted house and a Christmas festival. That's really dependent on the weather for us, whether or not yeah. we we're going to hold it. But we're also adding some other things, like we have some educational classes during the summer and where people can come and learn how to process their food or can or whatever, make some bread as well as a new course that we're releasing for people where they can actually do a 12-week growing course where they can learn how to provide for themselves and their families. And that will be an online course if they wanted something like credit, but we're also going to have some in-person sections as well. Mm -hmm. Again, trying to help with that education where people can sustain for themselves and their families.
0: Yeah, and what's the easiest way for people to get more information about the events and classes? That classes is a whole other aspect. Um, I didn't know you guys were doing that. Sounds really exciting.
1: Yeah, the problem is we just keep coming up with ideas. My husband hates when I go. Guess what? Or I've got this. He just goes, oh, okay, no." So, most of the information is all online. Facebook is a great way just to kind of come up with what's coming up new or in the. New, near future, our website also has some pretty good information. But those are the best ways, or you can even email us. That's a great way to find out mm-hmm. as well.
0: Yeah. Well, the far, fall festival. It seemed, I think you guys maybe was it limited ticket sales for the for the days because man, uh, they it, it was it was packed, but not Disneyland. Right. I'm not enjoying myself. <laughs> packed so, like you could you could do everything you wanted to, but there was a good crowd.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we try to. You want enough people there where you're enjoying it and you kind of have that fun from the atmosphere and mm-hmm. not too many. And that's always a delicate balance for us. It's hard because, again, you don't want people upset that they're standing in line. But we got to a point probably two years ago and we did it again this year where we limited ticket sales so we could say, hey, you know what, this is kind of our cap where it just gets out of control. Mm-hmm. And we've we had this cap that we've lessened every year. And I think that this year with that extra day, we're going to even – lower the cap just a little bit more since we have that whole extra day just just to kind of watch out for that sweet spot i guess yeah but i would always recommend last year they sold out online ahead of time which is great because then you don't have to wait at the gate but if you don't get them ahead of time you're out of luck so Mm -hmm. definitely get them online
0: yeah, and I think uh, I've got a what I call a Sitka rose the you know Rosa Rogosa, mm-hmm. in the in the front yard now that I I grabbed from you guys a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, was it that bare root sale? Yeah, <laughs> it was the bare root sale because I think it was at Lawyer's Nursery mm-hmm. in Montana, which was a long time awesome cold hardy. Yeah, yeah. You know. Bear root supplier of a lot of different plants, and I still get sad when I think about that they're not Let's a business see. anymore, but it sounds see. like you guys were able to get a large shipment of that. And I think I got some other things. I just can't remember what they are. I just, when I look at the roses, I go, oh, yeah, that was pretty small <laughs> really, a couple of years ago. And it's getting pretty it big was. now. It grows pretty well. Yeah. So, yeah, you guys are always doing fun, innovative stuff like that. or if, if 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 it presents <laughs> itself, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's hard to do all that. Well, at the festivals, you guys have a ton of fun stuff to do. I have to compliment you on that because there's just little games and there's just always something, depending on the zoo or things, uh, well, to eat or look at. And, yeah, you guys have done an awesome job with that over the years.
1: You know, I think that one of the things we've always strived for as a family as well is to keep everything cost effective. Mm -hmm. The old adage that just because you can take someone for a ride monetarily doesn't mean you have to. Mm -hmm. And so our goal was to keep one price so you could get in and do everything. So you're not paying separate prices for things. Mm -hmm. So for the fall festival, we do have a couple extra things where if you're going to buy food from like a food truck, you're going to have to spend extra money or if you're going to buy pumpkin. Mm -hmm. Those are only extras. Otherwise, there's like 35 plus things to do. We've got you know, games and we've got setups to, to try and help teach people and have fun with gold panning and giant pumpkin or balls that they can get in as well as grain trains and barrel trains and hay rides and giant strawberry jump pad, pedal tractors. You know, there's always something and something new we come up with every year. But that way you're getting the games and rides and, and there's a little something for everyone. One of the things that people have mentioned, like I said, we get feedback all the time. We try and address it. But one of them is they want to make sure that there's enough thing for all ages. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of a challenge when you yeah. think about trying to make things fun <laughs> enough for everybody. But we, we're trying to constantly improve that and in institute any of that new stuff. One of the things that a couple of years ago we put in, thank heavens, right before the lumber prices soared,
0: mm-hmm. was
1: we had been doing a corn maze a couple of years but the wind and the rain would always destroy it <laughs> yeah. right before we could use it, and so I told my husband I was tired of that, and so he was going to have to build me a wood one. <laughs> and so we actually built a, a wooden maze that's out there, and it's a permanent structure now, so that mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about the corn being blown over
0: anymore. <laughs> Some of the things we have to adapt to in, that's our, right. in our growing climate. Right. I was thinking about well, we attended the, the fall festival; it was super fun. Mm-hmm. And the U-Pick. Let's talk about the U-Pick. That's what I I wanted to talk about.
1: Sure. So the U-Pick is what our roots actually were in, no pun intended. But (laughs) early in the 80s, the church had kind of gone to a U-Pick situation for some of the extra vegetables that were available that they weren't canning or processing. And so it was just natural that we would continue that model with our business as a family. And so from the early beginnings of our own family running it, it was a U-Pick operation. And the nice thing about a U-Pick is that we don't have to put extra money into processing and shipping, and so those savings extend to the to the customer. So the customer comes out, and you, as the customer or the public, comes out, and they can pick whatever they want as long as it's ready. By the way, make sure it's ready, <laughs> and then they can just purchase whatever it is they they pick. They bring it up to the front counter and they check out like they would at the grocery store, where they plate Excuse me, where they pay price per pound. Typically, um, there's a few things that are per each, but most of it's per pound. And at that point, then they just, they check out and this, the savings are quite a lot. And especially with inflation right now, imagine they're going to be even more this summer, but we're able to keep our prices lower than the store and lower than most just because we can, we can come it straight from the ground and then you're getting it fresher and, you know, it's just kind of a win-win all the way around for everybody.
0: Yeah. And I see the different events and things. I see a lot of longtime Alaskans and then you see military families that are just, they they want to see something new about Alaska and kind (laughs) of enjoy that so I think everybody feels a little bit like yes it's it's Pyra's Pioneer Peak Farm but it's also their farm like they feel like it's a place that they belong and and something that they have memories with or new memories or multi-generational memories.
1: Yeah I think that too we see people familiar faces all the time and it's and it's so fun every summer to see people you haven't seen throughout the winter or you know I'm thinking of a family in particular hopefully I'm not calling them out I'm not going to say their (laughs) name but there was someone that I can remember as a a child or as a young person myself where there was a mom and a family and she came out with a set of triplets and she'd push them around in a triplet stroller out there and this summer she came out and they're all adults now and she was there with them and I'm like you are the lady they, these are the triplets you know so it's fun to see them come throughout the year and, and you do you have a connection with them that they are your they're your friend and they're your neighbor and and it's something that that we love to, to have people feel that kind of ownership in, in what it is that we're doing mm-hmm. out there.
0: Now, am I wrong? In, I th- are you guys doing venue? Do you have a venue setting for different events?
1: Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> you just say it. We'll try it out there. No, just kidding. <laughs> we have been doing events for quite some time. Like I told you, my dad had a lot of experience in the culinary arts because of his mm-hmm. time as a professor. And so I feel like we kind of did that anyway growing up. We would do catering or we would be part of events in one form or another through the university helping out. And so it was kind of a natural... Evolution for me and some of my friends to start doing that and then we started decorating weddings and started doing floral and pretty soon we were doing all these weddings at the same time we felt like venues up here were not the same as they're in the States they're everywhere mm-hmm. in the States it's a big deal yeah. there. and none really provided what everyone needed and so we thought well let's just make our own <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the name. we'll we'll just do it ourselves right now so that was kind of the beginnings of that mm-hmm. and there was a good five acre chunk down in one of our hay fields right with just straight up view of the mountain kind of removed from the rest of the farm where it's a beautiful location super peaceful and the soil itself is is fairly rocky right there it's mm-hmm. kind of an old strip that we imagine, based on the topography was probably riverbed at some point gotcha and so it was kind of a natural spot to do it and so we started going forward with this plan and then COVID hit mm-hmm. and so that put us off quite a ways. We broke it into phases, but this last summer we got the first phase of it up where there's a wedding pavilion out there and a bridal suite out there and a couple of things. And there's there's a couple more buildings going in. There'll be a founder's chapel out there and a enclosed grand hall for all season. But yeah, so we're trying to help people share in that beauty that's out there as well and, mm-hmm. and bring people together in, in kind of a generational way too with weddings and events.
0: Yeah, I can attest. That's a really nice spot right up against the base of Pioneer Peak there mm-hmm. and just gorgeous views and Yeah, I'd seen the pavilion. Um, I have to tell you, one of my memories at uh, church events that had some vanilla ice cream and then your dad had his uh, rhubarb syrup that would go over the top of it. That was the best. And I love (laughs) rhubarb, so it's like... It was an easy, easy pick for me.
1: Well, but yeah. I'll have to tell you, I am a new convert to rhubarb. We've grown it forever, right? Big yeah. patches like from the colonists that we have. Grows mm-hmm. like crazy, but just not a fan. But yeah. <laughs> we now have do a rhubarb vanilla bean jelly that we do out there and mm-hmm. then you have it and you're like, Now that's the only jelly I can eat, right? But yeah. but so I'm I'm a new convert to rhubarb, but <laughs> <laughs> after all these years.
0: There's some there's some Alaskans that are like, I'm just so tired of this plant. Right? <laughs> But you can't I, kill it. I, I have always, always been a fan, so I'll, yeah. I'll stick with it. But yeah, that strawberry syrup was always amazing on ice cream. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Well, we've got a few minutes left in the program today. What, what's something we haven't covered that, that we want to talk about?
1: My goodness, just, just like I said, the idea that I think it's important that people understand the sustainability. Just to mm-hmm. retouch on that again, the world's getting crazier, and we don't want people to operate under the guise of fear or worry mm-hmm. or confusion, but. You know, knowledge really is power if you can understand how to provide for yourself, support those who are growing in the community, and, and really just kind of educate yourself. Like I said, I mean, we're doing that new course, which I would, I would obviously recommend to anyone. But mm-hmm. besides that, just really to, to focus on that and really be kind within your community. Work together with the community members in your area to support each other, uplift each other, but also come up with a plan for sustainability for your own family and those who are close to you.
0: Yeah, and you guys I I mean I I love the valley and I love Palmer, but you guys out there in the in the Butte too, of course. You I think you show the total value of the land, not only in the sense that, you know, the produce which I think is extremely valuable, but like we go out there and we enjoy it, we enjoy being a part of that harvesting it, seeing the views, just getting together as a community. So I think You know, rather than a subdivision, which seems to always be swallowing up farmland sometimes, it shows the total value of the land to the community.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because, you know, as the farmers age out and the new generation comes up, they may or may not want to farm. And you see farmland all the time going towards developers, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is a real thing. And it's a real concern. and, And I don't certainly don't blame agricultural families, you know, as they do you know, where where do you support your family and where can you put in the time and effort or where do you need to move on? And so I, I understand mm-hmm. those who need to do that or do do that, but certainly we don't want all the farmland disappearing either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hard, but it is. It's a it's a way that we have to to use all the land and we're grateful for that opportunity. You know, we've got the you pick We've also got CSA boxes for those who mm-hmm. may not have the physical capabilities to come out and pick their own. The CSA boxes, for those who don't know, it's a subscription service where you can For 10 weeks out of the year, go to a pickup location and pick up a box so you have fresh produce. And so that's another option, too, to try and just get to as much fresh produce out there as possible.
0: Yeah. Uh, Are you guys doing strawberries as part of the U-Pick, or is that kind of a seasonal decision you guys make?
1: Well, the strawberries were originally grown as a U-Pick option. Mm -hmm. But the problem with that is anytime we announce that we're letting the strawberries be open, it's like locusts <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so then open, it's every berry's season. gone green ones they're like I don't care I'm getting them so there will be no berries after that for like two weeks so <laughs> we, we came up with a model a number of years ago where we just pick them and bring them to the front counter and people mm-hmm. pick them up that way but we did find one or two days this last fall where we opened it up to the public. And again, it was it was quite a mass <laughs> push through them. But, you know, we joke all the time we could just make the whole thing a strawberry farm. But we, there's a lot of winter kill involved with strawberries and there's mm. a lot of that kind of thing. And so yeah. it's kind of a delicate balance with strawberries. Mm-hmm. We found some varieties did really well up here, but they hate the rain. So yeah. if it rains, then so they kind of mush, you know, yeah. so I don't know, it's kind of a delicate balance, but it is something that ultimately we'd love to have as a option because people love fruit. It's hard mm-hmm. to get fruit up here.
0: Yeah. So. Well, it sounds like you guys have a balanced approach where you're like, well, if we just did strawberries and we had a terrible <laughs> winter, or, uh, rainy summer, then it, it's it's nice to diversify. and. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it's kind of a, you know, there's two schools of thought where it comes to business. There's diversification and specialization. And so mm-hmm. you're constantly kind of trying to find where we fit into there. We certainly diversify more than probably any 10 people should, <laughs> but there is a measure that goes with that here in Alaska. So
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, in closing today, what words of wisdom do you want to leave us with or thoughts?
1: <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> it's it's always loaded, spot, but right? I'm like... Um, no, first of all, we love you guys. We love you guys as a community, and we love being part of it. And anything that we can do to help provide, we we'd love to do it. My husband, who is a coach, and myself, who has been a coach at times, he always uses football or athletic adages, right? (laughs) And so his thing is the best defense is a good offense. And so I think that as we we attack the problems we face as a community, whether it's food-related or otherwise, and as we work together and we build a strong community with good – a good foundation, then I think we'll be the most successful.
0: Well, awesome. Thanks for coming in today. I do have one one last question that just popped in my brain. Sure. Do you guys, uh, your, your branding and your logo is so cool. Do you guys have any, like, <laughs> hats or shirts or sweaters <laughs> that you guys are still selling?
1: We do, we do. We actually love, we love our logo. We yes. had, I don't know, can I say names out loud? Oh, yeah. Okay, so Screaming Yeti Designs made our logo, and it's an old family friend, but he does an amazing, amazing job. Mm-hmm. But he put it together a number of years when we were looking for a new logo, and and we love it. It kind of takes everything that is is us. And so we also have some swag that goes with it. We've got T-shirts and sweatshirts and hats and mm-hmm. water bottle stickers and stuff like that. <laughs> so we do. We have some swag to go with that.
0: Yeah. I think everybody's always, I don't know, Alaskans seem to be like sweater crazy and like yeah, we love yeah, our yeah. stickers and so yeah. it always seems to be. But thank you for being on the program today. That's thanks nice. for being a part of Palmer and enriching the community for so long. And we look forward to this year's events.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me out. It was fun.
0: Thanks you've been listening to ag matters covering positive agriculture stories from across alaska with your host amy pettit of the alaska farmland trust ag matters is a production of radio free palmer recorded at our studios in palmer alaska for more information about this program email manager at radiofreepalmer.org